And I just, I just love how God is working through, through our students, through sponsors like Joel and Kelsey, and just utilizing our student ministry to, to make eternal impact. So thank, thanks for you guys being willing to share today. I know they're a little nervous, but you guys did an awesome job. And I just wanted uh, our church family to hear it from all of you guys. So, so we're, we're jumping back into Colossians here in our time that remains. And uh, maybe as a child, when you were growing up in that early elementary age, you might have heard or were taught the little rhyme, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Well, in reality, nothing really could be farther from the truth. Because many of us have felt the sting of words. Many of us have, have had words flung at us in anger. And many have been on the receiving ends of words that were meant to belittle or wound. So never underestimate the power of speech. So think about that for a minute. A judge. A judge can say a few words and a life is changed in an instant. A few words like life imprisoned or parole granted, license revoked. Or you're sitting in, in a doctor's office and, and as a patient you can either rejoice ecstatically or be given over to despair with a few words like cancer, terminal, malignant, or cured. Or a friend sitting across the table from you at the coffee shop and as you're sharing a few words can bring encouragement, words like, yeah, me too. Well, today we, we come to chapter 4 of Colossians, and, and Paul is drawing this letter to a close, the short little letter that he sent to this church in the city of Colossus so many uh, years ago. And he has led these Colossians believers on this incredible journey that talked about Christ's eternal identity and global mission all the way down to our need for kindness in our relationships and how we treat our spouse and our children. Well, we're going to spend one more week in Colossians, and, and next Sunday, Justin Ralston is going to bring it home. But before we get there, we're going, to, we're going to take a look at how Paul begins to wrap up this final uh, chapter, this final part of the letter. So we are in chapter 4 today, verses 2 through 6. And here the Apostle Paul writes, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. See, the power of our words can change lives, both our, our own life and those around us. So to boil it down today, your words matter. Our words matter. Both our words with God and our words with the world. So that's kind of where we're heading today from our text. And, and when we first talk about our, our words to God, it, it's, it's no... It's no uh, you know, it's not a random chance that Paul begins to focus on prayer. 
because he's talked about Christ's lordship. He's talked about how supreme, how sufficient he is. He talks about how we are one in Christ, how we have union with Christ. So this wrapping up the letter with this idea of prayer is a natural fit. And at, at the very heart of our communication is this commitment to a prayer life. Well, as we look at that text, we see some characteristics of a prayer life that, that we can point out, a few, a few things that stand out. One characteristic of a prayer life is that our prayers need to be watchful. So there's this characteristic of watchfulness in our prayers. You know, prayer demands spiritual alertness, doesn't it? Prayer demands spiritual energy. And as you read through Scripture, we often see the words watch and pray together. This idea of prayer and watchfulness, alertness, kind of looking for how God's going to answer, looking for God moving in and through and because of our prayers. In fact, Jesus himself said in Matthew 25 and 26 a a couple different times, in chapter 25, he says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. There he's referring to, you don't know when I'm coming back. You don't know when, you know, I'm going to return. So as you pray, you better keep watching for Christ's return. And, and then in chapter 26 of Matthew, it says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So as we're praying, we are watching that so that sin doesn't grab a hold of us, so that we are not, we are not pulled away by temptation. And then in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. And then with this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So not only watching for Jesus' return, not only watching for sin creeping in, but also watching and praying for all of God's people. There's, There's that sense of alertness and watchfulness to our prayers. But, but also, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So there's this state of thankfulness in our prayers. So sometimes we need to move from crisis prayers to consistent daily prayers of thankfulness. And by that I mean we, we, we need to make the shift from time to time from, you know, Jesus, please get me out of this messy thing in my life to Jesus, you are the best thing in my life. So we go from please, 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 God, get me out of this to thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. So in our prayers, there's times where we need to make a shift, a shift from being God is just our fixer. God is just the problem solver. God is the one that that we just want to smooth out all the difficulties in life. And we need to shift to God as our Father with that relationship and being thankful for who God is, being thankful that, that He calls us into this relationship with God the Father and Jesus the Son. So, and I, I understand, I get it. There'll, there'll always be those crisis prayers in life. When life throws a wrench at us, when things get crazy, yes, we're going we're gonna to go to our knees and say, please, please, please get me out of this or please help me with this. But, you know, I, I hope and pray that your prayers become more consistently thankful on a regular basis. So our prayers are watchful. We're looking for how God will move and answer 
Our prayers are characterized by, by this aspect of thankfulness. And then there's also a purposeful characteristic to our prayers. Well, one, one of the things that, that I've learned over the years is that the purpose of prayer is not to get our will done. The purpose of my, my prayer life is, is not to get the things that I list on my prayer list, you know, not to get those things time and time again. The purpose of prayer life is for God's will to be done on earth. Isn't that how Jesus taught the disciples? That may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when you begin to pray that, man, that really shifts the purpose of our prayer life, doesn't it? It's, it's off of ourselves, it's off of our circumstances, it's off, even off of the crisis that we might be facing in life, and it's on God and it's asking God to show up and accomplish what He desires to do in our life, in these circumstances, in the places where God has put us. And when we begin to make that shift in our prayer life, that can, that can totally alter how we approach prayer. Because it's moving from from just the fixer of problems to the father of our relationship. So there's characteristics of our prayer life, but there's also some, some habits of prayer that, that we can instill in our lives. You know, I, I mean, I, I've talked about this before, but let, let me just encourage you to set aside a time and place for prayer. For me, I like to get up in, in the mornings and, and have a quiet time, and that's usually I get, the, I get a cup of coffee, sit down with my Bible and my journal, and that's my prayer time. Now, some of you are not morning people, and I get it. You're more awake like at 9, 10 o'clock at night. The important thing is, is not when, but that you make that time to, to pray. And there's, there's no rules there. there. There's not a time clock to log into and say, okay, you know, every night at 9 p.m. or every morning at 6 a.m., I got to be praying. But the idea there is it flows out of your relationship with God, that you just desire to pray be, because of that relationship that you have. So make the time and space to do it. But, but over the years, I've also learned is to, to try to pray throughout the day. And that, that's another way you, you can approach it. Instead of just 10 minutes of pray, praying in the morning, you can learn to pray throughout your whole workday as well. A, a few years ago, I read this short little book called The Practice of the Presence of God. And it was written by a monk back in the 1600s. And the monk's name was Brother Lawrence. And you can still get this book today. It's a short little read. Um, and it's really encouraging on how he learned to pray to, well, how he learned to develop a whole life of prayer. And he, and he had a job as a monk to work in the kitchen at the monastery. And, and he would describe the kitchen as sometimes it's just chaos as, as, as they're preparing all these meals, getting everything ready to serve. But he learned that in the midst of the chaos of a kitchen that he, he developed his prayer life. And here's how he put it. <clears throat> he said, the time of business does not differ with me from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were on my knees. You know, he just learned that rhythm of praying throughout the day. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to stop and, and verbally pray, but it could be just maintaining the heart of prayer 
as you're going through the rhythms of your work life. But really, isn't it true that we give time to what's important? Whatever's important to you, we're going to make the time for. So if you want to make the football team in high school, well, you put in the time to practice. You show up on time for practice and you work hard at it. If you want to be a writer, well, you, then you need to work on the craft of writing a little bit every day. So you sit down at your computer every day or you pick up pen and put it to paper every day. If you want to be a master mechanic, you get your hands dirty every day working on engines. You take classes to improve and advance your skills. And if you want to spend time with God in prayer, then you must be intentional about doing so. You know, that, <clears throat> this isn't for everybody, but, but, but I like to write down what I'm praying for. Not so much so that I can check the boxes, that, that's not it. But I write down so then I can look back and see how God has been answering those prayers. And you know what? That's a faith-building spiritual discipline for me. Because I, I write those down in my journals and, and I flip back and see, oh, okay, I prayed for this back in June and this is how God answered it in August or whenever. And he answered it in a completely different way. And that that's, has become my spiritual discipline of prayer, and it's just encouraged my, my prayer life. You know, here at Journey, we are working at instilling the habit of prayer as a church family. That's why we've been having the prayer and praise nights uh, once a month. Next one's coming up a week from tomorrow night on the 16th. I encourage you to be here. It's one hour from 7 p.m. to 8, 8 p.m. It's just a mix of, of worship and time of prayer corporately together. And you know what? There's power when we pray together as a church family. But also on Sunday mornings, there, there's a group of people that meet right outside those doors and to the right in the small room there. They gather at 7.30 on Sunday mornings. And if, and if you want to join them praying for our Sunday morning uh, services, man, I would love to see that room packed with people praying together on Sunday mornings at 7.30. You know, prayer is something that's really motivated by a response to God's grace. It's our, it's our response to God for his grace in our lives. It's, it's not a requirement. It's just something that flows out of our, our love for God. And, and, and did you notice the first word of our text today? It's the word devote or the word devotion. He doesn't say must. He doesn't say should. He doesn't say you ought to but we are devoted to what you love. So church, fall in love with Jesus. And, and when you do, that prayer life is going to flow out of that. Our words with God flow out of that relationship that we have with him. That's our communication back to him. But I, you know, I also acknowledge that you know, some weeks, it's just hard to do, isn't it? Last week, for example, you know, my, my prayer life was shot out of the water last week you know, for a variety of di different reasons. So as much as I want to, there's some days where, where I, I'm not able to, to pray like I want to. But you know what? Just pick up where you left off. Keep at it. Pick it, pick it back up. Or if you haven't done it, just start it. You know, just keep working at it, whittling it away. You know, so... Our words matter. 
specifically our words with God in our prayer life. But the other thing we, we see in our, in our text today is that what the words that matter are our words with the world. Look, look back at verse 3. He says, pray for us too. This is Paul. He's referring to himself and Timothy. Pray for us that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Now, if, if, if you remember back at the early part of this sermon series when we began going through Colossians, we learned that Paul was a prisoner at the time of this writing, this letter. He was in prison as, as he put as he picked up his quill and wrote on this parchment and, and crafted this letter. But notice what Paul doesn't pray for. He's not praying for his release from prison. And we would think, man, if that was me, that would be the first thing. It's like, man, I need to get with my lawyer and I need to get you know, with my judge and I need to get out of this place. But that is not Paul's focus of prayer. He didn't care if he was in prison. He did not ask for the doors of of the prison doors to be opened, but he did ask that the ministry doors be opened. See, more important to Paul was that he be a faithful minister rather than a free man. So he prayed for, he's saying, pray for opportunities. And then he said, as those opportunities come, pray that we have the ability to proclaim it clearly. So let me ask you to do that here at Journey. Pray for the ministry of Journey Christian Church. As a church, man, pray for opportunities that we can have to proclaim Christ, both within these walls and outside the walls. Pray for those opportunities with our students as they, as they gather back together in school here this week and in a, in a couple of weeks. And pray, pray for opportunities for all of us adults as well. Pray for opportunities that student leaders might have on their campuses or, or sponsors might have with their students as they gather for youth groups. And this is the time of year where a lot of ministries at the church are starting back up. So will you pray? Pray for the ministry of, of Journey Christian Church. You know, junior high rush will be starting, senior high ignite, college group with CSF. Those are all kicking off within the next few weeks. So pray for opportunities at that level and pray that that the gospel can be proclaimed clearly to all of those students and to the adults that we meet up in st cloud minnesota there's a college uh, named st john's and at one point on campus at st john's university there was some graffiti spray painted on a wall <clears throat> and it said this said, Jesus said to them, who do you say I am? And they, they replied, you are the eschatological manifestation of the ground of our being, the kerygma in which we find the ultimate meaning of our interpersonal relationship. And Jesus replied, what? You know, we, we need deep thinkers at times we need those theologians we need those men and women who are smart and love to dig into the academic stuff of scripture and then wrestle with it and write it down so so i can read it you know we need people like that 
But I'm also thankful for, for the men and women who can proclaim the gospel in clear ways that a junior high person can understand it, a high school student can understand it, college student or adult. You know, that all walks of life can understand it, whether they're at the academic level or, or whether it's at the blue-collar level of life. You know, we need all of those different aspects of proclaiming the gospel clearly. And I'm thankful for ministries that, like CIY that have focused their whole efforts on reaching students. And I'm thankful for ministries like CEF, CSF, and diving into college students' lives. And I'm thankful for all of you men and women who are committed to the ministry of journey and communicating the gospel to those here. So will you pray for these ministries? This is a crucial time of year. Pray for our leaders. Pray for those that we, we can connect the gospel of Jesus Christ to those in this church and without. Well, lastly, Paul tells us that we need a little salty talk. Back, back, last verse, verse 6, he says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Basically, he's talking about, man, just have wisdom. Wisdom on how you present the gospel, on how you talk to people about Jesus, how you have conversations that really matter. Just approach it with some wisdom. You know, think about salt for a minute. It, it has a lasting impression and impact on whatever it touches, right? So let our words be selected with wisdom. Let our words be filled with grace. And let our words be intentionally impactful. So every time you pick up a salt shaker and sprinkle a little on your french fries or on your food, I want you to think of this verse. To let your conversations be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Have you, have you ever heard the phrase, the, the medium is the message? By, by that meaning how the message is delivered or through what avenue makes a greater impact than sometimes the message itself. So, for example, if you take the message, Jesus loves you, three words that are biblically true, they're accurate, they're life-changing, and you take a piece of chalk and you write those on the side of a nuclear warhead, it loses all meaning, right? Well, our words matter. Not only what we say, but how we say it as well. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up this morning. And, and as they do, I just want to encourage a journey that when, when we fall in love with Jesus, our hearts flow back to him in a life of prayer. Our words with God matter. And when we fall in love with Jesus, then our words are going to flow out to the world, and our words matter with how we talk to people. And I pray that we can present Jesus, that we can present the gospel with clarity, grace, and a little salt. Because that's the most important conversations we can have. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you for the encouragement that, that the scripture gives us today about our words, about how, how we can have conversations with you and with those around us. Father, may all of these conversations be rooted and based in love, in our love for you 
and our love for all the women and men that we know. And Father, may we always point them to Jesus as the author and perfecter of life. We pray this in his name. Amen.